Hey, Scarlet, do you know that Prog Rock Alley, our show, we released a CD? Oh, that's interesting. What's it about? It's a compilation of a lot of different kinds of music, all under the banner of progressive rock, experimental rock, art rock, and we released it in digital form on Bandcamp. Have you ever shopped on Bandcamp before? Nope. Co-op Radio has their very own Bandcamp page, and there you can see Anthems from the Alley, Volume 1. All the songs on there were donated by artists. Do you know what donation means? No. All proceeds from sales go to supporting Co-op Radio. It's like adopting a kid. It's like adopting a kid that you can listen to on your headphones on your way to work. Head over to Bandcamp right now and scope out Anthems from the Alley, Volume 1, only on for $10. Support your local radio, 100.5 Co-op Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Neurodiversity Now. My name is Dusty Chapora, and I am a new host, hopefully joining you for this episode and more episodes in the future. I am the mom to a toddler. I'm a musician. I live in beautiful Abbotsford, BC, Fraser Valley, not quite Vancouver, and I have ADHD. I'm also an ADHD coach, which means that I work with a lot of neurodivergent folks on many different issues in their lives. The most important thing that I do is help people with ADHD um, accept and love themselves and learn to work with their ADHD so that they can reach all of their goals, fulfill their potential, and be truly happy with who they are. One of the things that's a little bit funny about having ADHD is that sometimes things that are really easy for other people are really hard for us. Like we don't always see the most obvious way to do things. And although a lot of us are super talented and we have lots of skills and a lot of things are easy for us, it's those little everyday, you know, care tasks and, you know, life admin things that are sometimes really challenging. That it would be kind of funny to put together a small panelist of non-ADHD, um, non-neurodivergent folks, also known as neurotypical people, and just kind of ask them how do they do some of the things that some of us ADHDers struggle with. And so, without further ado, I present to you the inaugural episode of Ask a Neurotypical. All right, cool. So, welcome to my first time hosting Neurodiversity Now. We're going to play a little game called Ask a Neurotypical. I've got a couple of friends joining me today. I've got Kate and Nicole. Thank you both for volunteering to help me with this. I really appreciate it. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask y'all a series of questions um, so that us folks with ADHD can kind of learn how y'all are doing some of the things that we struggle with. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Cool. So first, um, can I get you each to just introduce yourselves and say sort of whatever you want about who you are? My name is Kate. Um, I live in Burnaby and um, I have two kids and one of whom is on the spectrum. So I have a little bit of experience trying to explain things to someone who is neurodiverse, although my son sometimes thinks that I am not making a whole lot of sense. So I'll do my best. Uh, my name is Nicole. I live in Shawnigan Lake. And I am also a parent to a four-year-old. And I'd say I'm fairly neurotypical, but uh, maybe these questions might prove otherwise. <laughs> so my first question um, is actually one that, so I have a, a, 
a good community of friends on um, TikTok. I don't know if you you all have heard me obsessing about ADHD TikTok, but um, I have a, a friend on TikTok who goes by Burritos and ADHD. Her name's Laura Burrito. And she has a little TikTok segment that she calls Ask a Neurotypical. So I'm a little bit ripping her off, but it's also a thing I was thinking of doing. But I saw her do a TikTok where the first question that she asked neurotypicals is, how do you remember like fruit in the crisper? Right. So you put food in those little bins in the fridge, then you close the door. How do you make sure that it doesn't just completely rot and go bad? I think, yeah, it's a lot of it is just habit, right? Like they take the fruit in their lunch every day. So it's just things kind of build in like a habit, like, and every morning you have some cut up fruit on your breakfast cereal. And so it just has kind of built into the everyday things that happen kind of on, like on a regular routine. Um, then that kind of builds in the fruit consumption. So I don't know if that's right. Well, before you had kids, was it ever a problem for you? Can you think way back in the day being a so long ago a solo human? I think uh, before I had kids, I think I didn't have a lot of money, also, and so the whole the whole like I always ate all the food that was in the house because then I only ever bought like bought as exactly as much as I was going to need. So there's a little bit of balance between like I like I know when I'm hungry, and so it's just that. Yeah, it was like buying exactly what I was going to need. So I wouldn't run out. I wouldn't overbuy, I guess, would be the mm. big thing. So I, I think I, I did a lot of, especially when I had less money and still now, a lot of planning. Like, I'm going to buy this much. I know I'm going to eat an apple every day and I'm going shopping once a week. So I'm going to buy seven. And it was kind of like balancing the exact amount that I would need. Um, well, I buy all the groceries. So I know exactly what we have. And definitely like having a kid plays into it now for sure. Just like I have to pack lunches every day and that automatically uses it up. And I'm like forced to assess what I have every day. Um, I also like think about what I'm going to cook pretty much. I guess it used to, I used to actually like think about it all day. I feel like, what am I going to, what am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to cook for dinner? I feel like that like used to take up a lot of space in my brain. Now I have a lot of other things going on. So it's more towards the end of the day that I start thinking about it, but I definitely like dedicate a lot of like thinking time to like, okay, what did I buy? What do I have in the fridge? What am I going to make with it? I also like pretty much just buy the same stuff all the time. So I like kind of always know what I have and I don't know. I mean, I just remember. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is the part where it's funny, right? Because I, I think sometimes what happens with people with ADHD is we literally just won't open the drawer. We'll open the fridge, but not the drawer because sometimes opening the drawer is like too hard. So what I did, my hack is I stopped keeping fruit in my drawer and now my drawer is where I keep all my jars of things. So when I open it, it's all my like mayonnaise and mustard and stuff. And I just keep the fruit right where I can see it. Otherwise, because if it's in the store- How does it stay crisp, Dusty, if it's not in the crisper? (laughs) Well, it sometimes doesn't, but it also doesn't stay crisp in the crisper because it stays in there for like two weeks. Yeah. And then I won't, and then I have to clean it, but I won't clean it. So then it gets really scummy and then nothing is in there. So um, it's not a perfect solution, but it also ensures that things have to get used really quickly because I can literally see them deteriorating in front of my eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm hearing that it's a lot about like not overbuying, but also there's a piece where you like know what you're going to use it for in advance, right? 
Um, oh, that's actually the second question that I wrote. So we can go right into it. So both of you kind of mentioned like knowing what you have and what you're going to use it for in advance, right? So does that look like, how does that look like for you? Like, do you sit down with like a piece of paper um, or do you just like make the same thing like in rotation or like, how do you know what you're going to make? So for us, it's probably about like, like 10 meals for dinner that my children will accept, which is annoying because it's just like the same 10 things, but it also makes shopping for groceries pretty easy. And so I think um, we kind of at the beginning of the week will be like, okay, what are we, what are we eating this week? And then my husband does the grocery shopping, but we have a pretty clear, like we, we plan it out ahead of time. Um, and we plan to like make a, a meal big enough that it lasts two nights because I hate making dinner more than anything in the world. Um, and so it's really my husband's job to make dinner. Um, but then that way, when we have other things going on, we can split split it up like this is for Monday, Tuesday, and it's going to last two nights and we need to have make enough. So it's, it definitely is planning ahead of time. If I ever do the shopping, um, I definitely make a list when I go based off of what I know we're going to make because I will otherwise like wander the aisles and I will for sure forget something like essential. But we started doing really clear meal planning because we found we were always going to the store like every two days, like, oh man, we forgot that one thing that we need. And then every time we'd go to the store, we'd like buy a bunch of other stuff that we didn't need um, as well, just to like avoid the annoyance of having to always go back and forth to the store. So it's like planning what we're going to eat, planning all the ingredients for those things. And then I think my husband now just ha has it like clockwork, like he knows when he goes up and down the aisles of Donald's Market, what exactly to like where everything is. And sometimes he buys like too many oats, but it doesn't really matter, like that things that don't go bad. Um, fruit that my kids will never eat. And so we don't bother buying them because it might go bad. Like we won't get to it. And so stuff like that. But it, for sure, the meal planning is a huge part of it. We used to have things go bad way more often because we didn't have a plan for how we were going to eat them. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what happens to me a lot. If I don't have a plan for it, it just goes. Sometimes a week goes by and I buy asparagus and the next thing in the asparagus is all slimy. And I'm really sad because asparagus is expensive, but I didn't know what I was going to use it for. Very yeah. tragic. Very, very, there's nothing more tragic than slimy asparagus tips. Yeah, that definitely happens to everyone, right? And you're like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll figure out what I'm going to do with this later. And then if you don't, if you're not, if you're not a real foodie who loves to cook, you're like, I don't know what happened to it later was that it went moldy. Like, yeah. <laughs> not, not the end of the story that you wanted. How about you, Nicole? What's your secret? Um, I'm actually not great at meal planning at all. Um, for a while there, I like had a lot of spare time at work and I was on my computer. And so I was like making Excel meal plans. And um, definitely a lot of that had to do with like repeat meals and like making one thing and then being able to use it for the next meal, like roasting a chicken and then using a leftover chicken to make quesadillas or whatever. Um, and that was actually great. But the problem with that is like, you have to do the meal planning. And I just, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not motivated to do it. I'm not great at it. Plus, like, part of your pre written question was like, how do you know that you're like going to be in the mood for that later? And that's my problem is that I can't be like, on Wednesday, we're having tacos. And then Wednesday comes around and I'm like, ugh. The last thing I want to eat is tacos. Yeah, that's so, I wanted to what what happens if what you plan for dinner, you're like, I'm not in the mood for that. Cause that happens to me quite frequently. I'll like like Kate says, I'll batch prep like, you know, a bunch of chili, but then I'll be like, I don't want to eat chili tonight. And then I'll just avoid it until I'm so hungry that I order pizza. 
and then it's yeah feel guilty I definitely like I pretty much decide day of evening of what I'm gonna make for dinner I always pretty much have the same sort of stuff though like so I pretty much always I don't really go off the beaten track when I go to the grocery store I always buy the same sort of produce I always have like the same sort of meat in the fridge basically um so I kind of just like mix and match based on what I always buy and like what I kind of feel like having that night um and then things that I like you know if I make a big batch of something, I'll like eat that for lunches for the week instead of like eating it for dinner a couple nights in a row. Cause like at lunchtime, I'm more, I feel like, especially cause I'm working from home right now, I'm like more desperate. I'm like, I'm starving right now. I need to eat lunch. I just need enough for me. And so. I, I have a question about this whole like freezing things or saving it for later. Cause one of the problems I've had is like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to look at a pile of food like some soup or some chili and assess how much of it is the right amount for later so sometimes I've had like usually it's too much right like I'll put a whole bunch and then I'll unfreeze it and then there'll be like more left over and I'm like this is way too much to like eat like I don't know how to portion it out how do you know how much especially for you Kate you've got like four people how do you know you know if you're looking at a pot of chili like how much is the right amount to save um usually it's just kind of it's by the quantities that were made, like, like, it's like a pound of ground beef, right? Like, it's like the quantities that things come in, right? Like, already. So it's kind of, I mean, these days, I sometimes think we need to make more because now my son doesn't stop eating ever. So, but mostly it's just around the, like, the, the, the kind of pre, the quantities that already make sense based on the way that they things come packaged. Like, it's a pound of meat and two cans of chili or beans or whatever. So it's, it's not, I'm not, not too much assessment and maybe it's over time we realize that's enough for two meals mm. when they eat it with rice or whatever so um but in terms of the like freezing and portioning like that, that's a good idea if you don't want to eat something oh you know, like there's a lot of this and i don't want to eat it for five days maybe maybe in two weeks i want to eat it again but not right now you um yeah i think actually measuring out your portion like putting it into because it's hard to see if you're putting it into like a freezer bag or something like yeah, that's what that's, that yeah like. that's I'm like, I put, when I first started doing this, I would pour all of it into like a giant Ziploc bag, and then it would take like two days to defrost. And then I'd be like, this is I'd eat two bowls of chili and be like, there's still at least three or four bowls. This, I'm not going to freeze it again. So then it would go to waste. But I think there's something important that both of you touched on, which is like, the idea of staying on the beaten path, which if any of you ADHD listeners are listening, I think where we get in trouble is like impulsivity, right? There's that novelty seeking and that need for novelty with, um, you know, getting yourself to engage with sort of routine things like meal prepping. So I definitely think, at least for me, one of the early issues that I had with meal prepping was trying to always make different things. You didn't know if you'd like them. You didn't know if they'd turn out. You get weird exotic ingredients that you wouldn't use. So maybe like yeah, kind of sticking within that framework of the the set of things that you know is like really important. Okay, I want to keep us moving forward though. These are great answers. Thank you guys. Okay, this one's a little bit more silly. Just what is the most ridiculous thing you've ever forgotten? Tell me a story about a time that you just forgot something totally ridiculous or it was a ridiculous situation. I'm, you go ahead first, Nicole. I've got to think about this for a minute. Yeah, really I, I read this and I was like, I kind of have to think about it too. I'm sure that and i'm sure like kate will probably say something similar in that i'm sure as like a new mom 
have I would have probably forgotten some pretty ridiculous stuff um, <clears throat> functioning on mom brain. I'm forgetting to make my kids jump their seatbelt before driving away somewhere. And that is the moment where you're like, oh my God, oh my God, you're not wearing seatbelts. <laughs> Things like that, where you think that's a pretty bad thing to forget. Um, definitely in more than once forgotten like a coffee on the roof of the car and then driven away and then lost what? that. Does it smash? Oh yeah, like that's the end of that coffee. Um, once I went back for my travel mug and it was just like dented and it doesn't close properly anymore, but it still works. I still use it, <laughs> but it was like, and the, and the worst part is you're like, you only realize you're like, where's my coffee? I really needed that. Um, so I love that you still use that mug. It's a good mug. It was like 40 bucks. <laughs> no, but the, um, yeah, I think this is like those kind of absent minded things or definitely a million times forgotten, like why I came downstairs. You know, like I have a thing in my hand. I was on my way to do a thing and then get really distracted by something else that I wanted to do. I'm like, a as I move around the house, like cleaning things on the weekend, I'll start one project and then abandon it and go to another project. And I only have to come back to it. I do this like kind of roaming, like, oh, unfold laundry, unload the dishwasher. Oh, do this other thing. And then, yeah, then it's kind of all a bunch of half finished projects at the same time. What? Not very ridiculous. That's, so, that's so validating to hear. I feel like I do that too. Oh, yeah, definitely all of those things. Um, I've like, I don't, I don't usually bring coffee in the car and I'm not really tall enough to like <laughs> put it on my roof and reach for it. But I've seen a million other people do that. And I know my partner's done that a ton of times. And um, one thing that I can recall, I'm actually like innately like a very forgetful person. Um, it may not seem that way, but I am. And uh, one thing that really sticks out in my memory is that when my partner and I were first dating, he lived in this like bachelor suite that um, had like a shared bathroom situation with the other suites on his floor. And we would like go and like have a shower or whatever. And like he'd finish up in the bathroom and then I'd go back to his room and he'd be like, don't forget to not lock the door. Cause like the door, like just locked automatically or whatever and like not lock me out. So I'm like standing there in my towel, like in the hallway and I'd be like, got it. Every single time it was like literally a five second walk from the bathroom to his suite. I would forget that <laughs> and lock the door and he'd be left standing out in the <laughs> hall in his towel every single time. <laughs> Admit it, you did that on purpose. No, I swear. <laughs> but I have a really good, I have a really good story to share with you both about forgetting things. Um, as a young woman, I think I was, I was not a teenager. I was living on my own for a few years at that point. But I would go back and visit my mom in Prince George um, pretty frequently. So one time, I was visiting my mom, and she was taking me to the airport to fly home. So I went to the airport, checked my backpack, whatever, um, checked my luggage. And then we were waiting for the flight and then I couldn't find my ticket anywhere. And um, so I was like, I must've forgotten it at home. So my mom ripped home in the truck looking for my ticket, couldn't find it, came back. I, I missed my flight, right? Um, or no, I didn't, I didn't miss my flight, but I was like about to miss my flight. And uh, I couldn't find, I know it was my wallet. I couldn't find my wallet anywhere. And I thought I had left my wallet at my mom's house. So she actually drove home to find my wallet, 
couldn't find it. So I wasn't able to get on this plane because I didn't have my ID. Um, and then I was like, okay, but wait, I was like, I know I showed my ID at the ticket counter. I was like, I had it. So I was like, I must've put it in my backpack, which I then checked, right? So I went to the flight people and I was like, I think I have my ID, but I think I checked it. Um, so I had to go and get, I got the woman from the ticket counter and I was like, you saw me, you saw my ID, you checked me and you know I was here. Can you please come with me to like to the boarding people to like verify my identity because I'm pretty sure that I checked my wallet. But there was that like, there was like this 45 minute period where I was sure I had left my wallet home and my poor mom had to go all the way home, look for it, couldn't find it. And so she was freaking out and I was freaking out. And I was like, how am I gonna get on this plane? And then when I realized that it was probably my backpack, I was like, well, what am I gonna do now? My, my, my ID is gonna leave without me. How will I ever get home? So luckily the woman from the counter walked me to the boarding pass and it was because it was a very small airport, right? It was Prince George. So she was able to say, no, look, this girl, I saw her. We think she checked her ID. And sure enough, when I got to the other end, there was my wallet in my backpack. But I had, I didn't even, I didn't remember doing it, right? That's the funny thing about like having working memory issues too, is like you do things sometimes and you literally have no memory of doing them at all whatsoever. Here's one that's like very, very hot button issue for some of the folks that I coach as well as some people in the the neurodiverse community. Okay, tell me the truth this, for real. Do you both and like if you're not comfortable with this that's fine but like do you both actually brush your teeth twice a day? Every day? Do you is it just you just brush your teeth all the time and it's not a problem? I don't. I brush my teeth before bed. And yeah. I do um like I will brush my teeth before bed pretty much anytime if I'm like super drunk or really tired or whatever needs to happen at least because otherwise your mouth feels disgusting when you wake up in the morning and that's so gross. Even if you're like super hammed, you just get this like overpowering urge to go to the bathroom and brush your teeth? Yeah. Oh. How about you, Kate? Yeah, I would say um twice a day but it's like much harder now that I'm working from home because it used to be that the automatic trigger to brush my teeth would be like the, one of the last things I would do before I would leave for work and now that I don't have that trigger of like and now is the time to brush your teeth and sometimes my eating patterns are more messed up because I might start working at like 7 30 instead of it and so and I haven't eaten yet and then I start eating and then I'm in meetings and so the actual like the time when I'm supposed to do my morning teeth brush is like Mm -hmm. when sort of it's, it's not clear. clear yeah and so sometimes I'll be like oh my god it's two o'clock I'm outside walking in the dog and it's like I haven't brushed my teeth yet and then I feel really nervous to like say hi to my neighbors <laughs> um that's like a new new pandemic thing but for me and definitely pretty much always always before bed if I was like it would have been a huge night which is relatively rare um especially now that we don't ever go anywhere or do anything maybe very occasionally but to, to Nicole's point you really pay for it the next morning like enough times when you're like oh my god I wake up and I have a like I have a hangover headache and my teeth feel fuzzy like it's just the worst possible feeling so that's the motivation to like suck it up the night before and just do it because okay. I remember that feeling so if you ever have a moment where you're like, I don't want to brush my teeth, I'm too tired or I'm busy, then you think about the future and you're like, I'm going to regret this. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, I'm already in bed. I'm like in my jammies and I'm tucked into bed and then I'm like, oh crap, I forgot to brush my teeth and I just get yeah. up and do it wow. <laughs> because it's like, I, yeah. Some like, yeah, I just can't handle it's like maybe it's just um, that I'm like extra 
grossed out by the way my mouth tastes and feels in the morning after not brushing my teeth but yeah you know it's kind of interesting because like I feel like if 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 there was a way to make it for people who are struggling with that if there's a way to make it about that sensory issue because like as Kate I'm sure you know like people with autism have lots of sensory issues sometimes and even there's a larger conversation happening around sensory processing and ADHD right now and the, I think the predominant thought is that, well, people with ADHD don't have sensory issues necessarily on the same scale as people with autism. What people with ADHD have is an inability to regulate what their attention is being paid to. So if there's like a little buzzing light or like an itchy tag, um, you know, it's not that that stuff necessarily bothers you more than it would borrow, bother any other person, but you have a harder time. Your brain is supposed to have these filters, right? That filters what it's supposed to be paying attention to. And it sort of can't not pay attention to the thing. So I almost wonder if there's like a hack here around tuning into the disgusting sensory issues as a way to m create that motivation when you need it. I'm gonna brew more on this. That's a good, they're good answers. Thank you guys. Okay, um, I wanna be a little bit conscious of time. So I'm just gonna, I'm probably gonna screen out a couple of these questions and just ask one or two more if that's okay with you. Is that okay? Sounds good. Cool. All right, here's a very important one. Are you familiar with the term revenge bedtime procrastination? Yes. I'm not. You you can probably I, guess what it is though, right? No, I don't I don't those words revenge and procrastination don't really <laughs> seem to go together in my mind. Okay. So Kate, what's can the you definition? Explain, can yeah, you for sure. It's like the it's the concept of people kind of staying up too late at night, kind of doing like whatever, because it's the only free time they have, right? And so it's like the revenge against your how busy your day is or how much how, how little free time you otherwise have so it's sort of procrastinating your bedtime pushing it back later or later to like look after 11 o'clock is the only time i have to myself so i will you know, yeah do, do whatever just to have time for myself kind of. it's like the idea of like i didn't get enough fun today so i'm not going to bed do you guys feel like you engage in revenge bedtime procrastination yeah yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> Doesn't everybody a little bit? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Um, did you do you do you feel like you get eight hours of sleep sometimes, most of the time, or like never? Um, I do more now because I work from home and I can like roll out of bed at 7 30 and like roll my computer. Um, but without that setup, definitely before it was not. And I'm trying to think like I feel like I definitely participated or like perpetrated revenge procrastination bedtime whatever yeah. against myself less before I had a kid because I had like more time in the day for myself to like do what I wanted um uh but yeah I definitely do that and it definitely sometimes leads to like less than eight hours of sleep even when I'm like oh my god I'm so exhausted once this kid is in bed like I'm going to bed too and then like three hours later I'm still scrolling Instagram yeah is that is that how you use your revenge bedtime procrastination for Instagram scrolling yeah it's usually yeah like just total time wasting on my phone <laughs> how about you Kate yeah I would say I like I try not to but it definitely still happens probably like four out of seven days a week so so the trying is like yeah. not that successful um I, yeah because the, the days are really busy 
And then I think the ways that I try to catch myself out in it is recognizing that it's not very restful. Like I would, again, it's kind of mindless scrolling or like flipping, reading the first two paragraphs of a news article, then flipping to another one. Like none of it is engaging enough to actually hold my attention. And so I'm kind of skipping around and then, and then it's like, if you don't feel satisfying, right? So I keep trying to like call myself out a little bit on like, is this good time? Is this valuable time? Like, should I just read a book? Even though for me now, oftentimes if I start to read later at night, I just fall asleep instantly. And I think, well, that's a sign that I'm quite tired actually. <laughs> so maybe I should, I should listen to that. Um, so yeah, I sort of, when I'm being like taking good care of myself, I am better at not doing that. But some days you think, I don't care. I don't care what's good for me. I've had a really hard day and I'm just gonna do whatever I want, which is mindless doom scrolling. Something I try to ask myself when I'm really stressed is like, what's going to serve me? Like, what do I actually need? Um, and it, so, and sometimes I'm like, oh, what I actually need is to take a bath and read my book. And like, I need that energy. And, and I find that I, I'm better at doing that when I'm really stressed because I can't afford to make mistakes. Like I'm like, no, no, I'm only hanging on by a thread. So I really need to be on it. Like I can't allow myself to like have bad habits because I'll fall apart. Um, but when it's only like mid-level stress, then I'm not as good at taking care of myself because I don't need to as much. That makes sense. I'm sure I, I'm sure you both noticed a lot of these questions are, are sort of like around self-care and like life management stuff. And I think what happens is this, and this is just my sort of theory, is like, so people with ADHD are very binary thinkers, right? Super black and white. So we get these messages through media of like how you're supposed to be doing things, right? But we take them very, very literally and we assume that that is what everybody else is doing. But then when we're struggling with it, we're like, well, but how, right? So sometimes it's really interesting to like, it's actually really helpful to hear how other people are doing it or what they're thinking, right? Or how they're breaking it down. And then other times it's also just really validating to hear that like, that's not like the literal stand, that's not what everybody else is doing, right? So I have a lot of clients who really beat themselves up about not being like perfect with like keeping their house clean all the time. And it's like, dude, nobody's, do nobody's actually doing that, right? Um, so there's a little bit of like nuance that's sometimes missing around like gray area, which is good to hear, right? So yeah, well, that's all the questions I have for today. That's about all the time we have. Thank you both for helping me uh, get my first episode of Neurodiversity Now going. It was very awesome. insightful. I learned a lot. Thanks, Sussie. This was great. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. -bye.